Here comes the Here comes the Here comes the Y'all don't really want it like Hello and welcome in for another episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Unfortunately, we are without our good friend Kent Wyrock tonight, so I will be taking over as quarterback of this team. I've got my wide receivers with me tonight. I've got Jen Smith and Matt Okada. How are you guys doing? I'm, I'm yeah, so excited. I'm doing good. And who are you again? Oh, uh, my name is Matthew Betts. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Fantasy PT. Oh. Shameless plug. Oh, um, okay. All right. Now I got it cleared up. Okay. <laughs> uh, we're excited tonight to get back together and, and talk about more of our rankings. Uh, last week we were together talking about some running back rankings, and then we did a nice bonus episode. Uh, it was just the guys. Unfortunately, Jen couldn't be with us on Sunday, where we did a live listener league draft, uh, which was a ton of fun to do a live draft and just not even have anything prepared, just off the cuff, um, just hanging out and talking football. So it was fun. Jen, we didn't get to talk to you much since then. You like your team? I had a good feeling about it. I do have also probably even a better feeling that everyone knew who I was going to pick coming oh, yeah. up on my picks. At least, what, 70% of them that I, I had this feeling. Like, I could almost heal, hear the three of you, yep. like, in the back of my brain talking <laughs> about it. Like, oh, here's Jen's pick. You know she's going to go Collins here. Oh, yep. wait, you know she's going to go Sanders here. Oh, wait, you know she's going to try and maybe reach now, probably the downside Heinz, right like we all were kind of in those spaces so i had you guys with me the whole time i just couldn't be on the live pod so i guess if anything i'm consistent and all in on my guys which could lead to fantasy amazingness or if you're I'm gonna right go down with my ship right yeah, i'm gonna go down absolutely. with my guys and anybody else who jumped on board we're gonna go down together so i feel good about it yeah how do you guys feel about your teams uh, it was tough to draft from the 16th spot. Okada was right in front of me from the 15th, so we were kind of drew the short end of the stick there in terms of uh, having to reach a lot for for our guys. But it was definitely fun to steal some of Okada's guys. Oh my god! Uh, I wish you could have heard Okada's <laughs> sadness and the tears just streaming down his face when I took Josh Gordon from him. Ooh. It was amazing. I would have liked my team a lot better if I was not <laughs> drafting around Betts's. Back-to-back picks because he ruined me a couple yeah, times. Yeah, we, we know each other too well at this point to know <laughs> who each of us is targeting. Uh, so that was a ton of fun. But Okada, maybe we can work out a trade in that league and we'll uh, we'll discuss it on a future pod. Perhaps. Mm-hmm. Perhaps. And we always get the chance to go at each other, right? We get to beat each other um, in the week tr- 13 to 15 or something like that. We get to just go straight head-to-head as opposed to people in our division. So... We'll see who comes out on top. Yes, there will be several bets being placed. There will be several episodes mm-hmm. of just straight trash talking. So oh, listeners, wow. get ready for that. True, yeah. true. We're going to apologize in advance, but it will <laughs> most certainly happen. And we will prove which one of the four of us is the best fantasy football player. Um, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see. It should be fun. Uh, but without further ado, guys, let's go ahead and move forward here. We're going to get right into the news. I got great news, guys. All right. So the first thing on the docket here for the news, uh, there's a couple injuries that are out, that are out there that are coming out from the preseason from from week two. Uh, I'll touch on these very quickly and briefly, guys. If you want to jump in and give a, a little blurb on any of this, feel free. Uh, Nick Foles injures his right shoulder. 
uh, last Thursday when playing against the Patriots. He was dropping back for a pass, kind of was in his windup. His arm was cocked back at an angle and was getting ready to follow through. Hit on the strip sack and immediately clutched for his shoulder. And the concern with that position and uh, being in that position when you're throwing the ball and getting released uh, and getting hit is concern for a rotator cuff injury um, and potentially just a quick stretch on the joint that irritates the shoulder. Um, so there was cause for concern Friday morning and Saturday, but fortunately an MRI came back uh, negative, which is good news for Foles. And actually he's made a quick recovery and, and his recovery is going to be uh, right on track for what the Eagles need. And they're going to have him for week three of the preseason. So if if there was any concern about Foles not being there for week one of the, of the regular season, um, that those concerns are now squashed and are now diminished. So things look good for Nick Foles. He'll be ready to go uh, this week for preseason week three. And that's a good, good thing because as we mentioned, week one is an issue for the Eagles. I know that as an Eagles fan, I'm getting worried. My boy Carson Wentz has not yet been cleared for full contact. However, he has been cleared for 11 on 11 drills. You guys excited about this? Absolutely. I really want to see him out there week one. But you have to be a little relieved after see. I don't know if you saw it live, but watching that hit on Foles and knowing we weren't quite sure that Wentz was going to be available week one and then seeing your very capable backup just get slammed, it just did not look good. So the fact that he's back okay and going to start, I just I can't imagine for those fans the relief that's there. But I'm hoping we hear that Wentz is going to go week one. I really want to see this offense start uh, rearing just from, you know, from the get-go. I just really want to see a full 16 from these guys. I'll probably wait to get excited until you tell me to get excited, Bets. <laughs> <laughs> and here I come with the, the disappointment and the sadness. Uh, I'm getting worried. I mean, as a rehab specialist and as a physical therapist, I want to be able to see these guys take hits and be exposed to game type settings before it actually matters and actually counts um so you, i mean the whole thing with with andrew luck recently has been great to see him out there on the field and he's getting acclimated to the game before week one when it matters and wentz is not going to have that the eagles have been vocal all along that's not in the plans they're not going to do it they're not going to rush him back so uh, at this point i'm actually in the camp of having wentz sit for week one mostly because of the fact that I understand what his rehab process is like, and I'm a huge Eagles fan, so I don't want to see my team risk our future for one game, um, especially with Nick Foles healthy, and he'll be ready to go for week one. So that's where I stand on it. Um, I'm definitely tinkering expectations as we head into the season with this offense, and I think um, if this keeps progressing the way it has, I'm going to have to adjust my rankings accordingly for all of those uh, offensive skill players in Philadelphia. Because you have, I mean, now Sean is, right, still on the pup. We were not quite sure where he'll be week one. So you have a few weapons. Now Jayhee, right, had the lower the lower half injury. I don't know. I Hopefully we'll be talking about that a little bit more. But it can't be feeling great. I, I hadn't really thought about fans as thinking it might be protective. Let's keep Wentz out week one and just make sure he's okay. I hadn't quite thought of it that way. So... That's a different perspective that, I mean, I, I can understand for sure. Just about the long term, right? Short term versus long term. Everybody wants to see him. But at the same time, is that for the best? Absolutely, yeah. And that's that's the concern, too, is his recovery, giving it that it was a multi-ligament injury, requires more of a timeline than a typical straightforward ACL. And so he even coming back week one with a straightforward ACL would be pushing it. 
So the fact that he's pushing it with a multi-ligament injury, uh, for me, and given his play style, he's a Russian quarterback, he moves well in the pocket, I'm just concerned about how that's going to look. And, uh, and actually, the more we talk about this, the more I think I need to go update my quarterback rankings and drop him <laughs> down a little bit, as sad as that is for me. Good uh, thing this so isn't you, the quarterback you can show. That soon. You can yeah, give absolutely. your time. <laughs> absolutely. We'll go ahead and move forward here. Uh, there's a couple ankle sprains around the league to some running backs. Uh, Samaji Piran and Jamal Williams both suffered an ankle sprain uh, during the team's second preseason game. Fortunately, both of those injuries look like they're going to be pretty low-grade sprains. They're going to be back um, and ready to go. And I think reports have already surfaced, especially for Williams, that he'll be fine for the third uh, third preseason game. So there really isn't any concern for either of those two guys. We're going to talk about Piran's new teammate, uh, hint, hint, here in a little bit. But before we get on to that, uh, let's go ahead and talk about the Buffalo Bills, because nothing gets you more excited than Buffalo, am I right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm all fired up about it. <laughs> I know uh, I know. Mr. Okada is actually starting to get a little excited about it. Uh, we talked about it during our live draft, um, one of the pass catchers in Buffalo. But the reason I have them on the, sh- the show doc here is because A.G. McCarrion was initially diagnosed with a hairline fracture in his collarbone on his right shoulder, which is his throwing shoulder. But fortunately... Um, additional tests were done and, and those look actually clean. So he does not have any fracture in his shoulder. Um, they're t- treating it as more of a sprain, if you will. Uh, so he is going to be likely back in time for the start of the season. But rookie Josh Allen is going to start in week three of the preseason and I presume likely week one. Okada, what does that do for your boy, Kelvin Benjamin? I mean... It's really tough to say which one of those three awful quarterbacks is going to be the best <laughs> bet to give Kelvin Benjamin some value. Um, but I do honestly want to see Josh Allen play. And the main reason is the only, uh, for me, the only reason to keep a rookie QB off the field and sort of let them develop, um, as needed would be if you had a good backup and a playoff contention sort of situation. And, or I guess a good starter, you could say. A good other QB on the roster. And in this case, the Bills have neither of those. So I think they just let Josh Allen go out there, learn from his mistakes as he goes, play NFL football. And I think he's going to learn fastest that way. And we'll see how much he learns. I'm still not on board fully the, of, with this Josh Allen train. Uh, I am realizing a little bit more than I did coming out of the draft, how incredible his arm is, uh, seeing it on the NFL level. But until we see him, you know, playing against starters uh, in real NFL games, I'm not going to go all in. But I do like Kelvin Benjamin as a value, as you guys might know if you heard the uh, live draft pod, because I took him. <laughs> you did. And uh, and I think you almost threw up a little bit when you did. It too, I did. Right? Yes. <laughs> I swallowed it, though, yeah, so it, it was okay. <laughs> I don't know if you guys watched Allen in the last preseason game against the uh, against the Browns, but he actually looked pretty good, moving well in the pocket. Obviously, some questionable decisions, but you mentioned the arm talents there, and I think the hate has probably gone a little too far in the fantasy football community. I will say I was part of that hate. Uh, I still am not convinced that he's going to be a success in the NFL, but from what you've seen in two preseason preseason games, if you're a Bills fan, you've got to at least be uh, excited about what the future holds uh, for Josh Allen and, and that offense. So. Uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and keep kind of moving around here. Small note on Isaiah Crowell. Uh, he was in the league's concussion protocol, but he has cleared that. Uh, so there's no concern about Crowell being ready to go for week one. Um, he'll be out there and, and likely to be a value this year in drafts. 
given that he's kind of what I've seen in drafts, the last workhorse and, and early down running back that's available in drafts that we've done thus far. Uh, are you guys on Crowell this year? Are you excited about the potential of getting him as a value? He looked good in preseason. Did you all see him in those yeah. games? The play Before he got the... hurt yeah. looked incredible. Right? Yeah, he caught up. It was on a pass, too, yeah. which I think I've mentioned mm-hmm. maybe before that he's an underrated pass catcher because he's played with Duke Johnson, who will take most of that work and look a lot better because he's an elite. But Crowell is decent, and if you watch that play, he took a pass. It was kind of a crossing route, beat a couple guys, and slammed his way into the end zone and ended up hurting his head a little bit, although now he's cleared, <laughs> so that's good. Um, I was actually grabbing Powell a little bit in this past week or two when it looked like Crowell might have some issues. But with this news, I'm back on Crowell's a value for sure. Yeah, this is a great zero RB kind of target. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we all want Bilal Powell to be a thing. The Jets do not, uh, for whatever reason, and, and even if he's been successful. So uh, it's Crowell's job for the taking. Um, it's his to lose, essentially. So I love him as a, a late round starting Running back, like you mentioned, if we're going zero RB strategy this year. Uh, the next thing, kind of moving forward on the dock, is a lot of news out of Seattle, uh, which I'll go ahead and throw this out there before I even say any of these words. Uh, Pete Carroll is the one that gave this uh, <laughs> this news, quote-unquote. I appreciate the, the caveat there. Yeah. Yes. So according to head coach Pete Carroll, uh, Doug Baldwin will, quote, for sure be ready for week one. He also today in his press conference came out and said that Rashad Penny, who's dealing with a, a, a broken finger and just had surgery on that finger, will, quote, have a chance to play in the fourth preseason game. But then later in the same uh, same delivery said that he will be ready for week one. So I don't know how you say that someone has a chance for the fourth game, but will definitely be ready for week one. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not necessarily buying either of these uh, just quite yet. What do you guys? Th- what do you guys think? Uh, I honestly think he's got a little fishbowl and he's written down different kind of positive blurbs <laughs> and he puts them in the bowl, mixes them up, and then he picks one out and says, "Okay, Baldwin will for sure be ready." And at least half the time, it's the ultimate coach speak, as we've probably talked about with Carol before. Um, but we'll get to Baldwin, I think, in a little bit. And as for Penny. Him him missing any preseason time is definitely not good because of this Chris Carson situation. He needs as much work as he can get to, A, get better at what he's not good at right now, especially past pro, uh, and B, try to impress his coaches if he uh, can actually get better at those things. This is a team that we've seen typically actually play the best player and not worry too much about where they were drafted or anything like that. That's how Russell Wilson got the job he has now. So Penny is dropping way down my draft boards, and I already was relatively low on him, and I'm looking at Carson in various places. I think most people are saying that they're pretty confident that Penny will be the starter at some point. Um, And I'm not fully convinced on that. They have a pretty tough schedule as far as rush defense goes to start the season. I don't have it in front of me, but I remember looking at it, and it's pretty difficult. So that may make Carson look a little uh, worse than he is. I don't know how much the coaches will account for that. Probably even less than fantasy players will. Um, but yeah, this is going to be a this is going to be a tough one to watch. 
Well, I think the, the people that were drafting him high were drafting him high because of that potential there and the fact that he's projected as the starter. And so now you have all these questions. Is Carson going to get touches? Is it going to be split? Is he going to be dinged up? And so the, the factors that outweighed the risks for him that bumped him higher in the rankings, now people are kind of reconsidering. Like all of a sudden, these risks added to the risks that were already there and the pros have stayed the same, you know? I think he's just he has to get bumped down when you're looking at the players drafted around him, right? And the floors and the ceilings that that exist. I mean, that offensive line hasn't miraculously gotten any better now that, you know, two two months have passed. He it the same issues that we were talking about with Penny and what could potentially be issues for him including pass protection are still there on top of now these other things, you know? And so you have to kind of just weigh that and realize some other rookies are looking a lot better <laughs> now come draft time at the end of August than maybe back in June we were talking about them, you know, and just their raw talent and That's, their, their landing spots, right? And now right. you have to see how that all pans out, and here we go with That's, these drafting. As the penny yeah? truther, where are you willing to take it? Stop it. Stop it. You Don't are. It you oh, are. and there it is. <laughs> I just dropped him outside of my top 24 like a week and a half ago, and it took everything in my power to actually hit the submit button. He was in I the was corner, so kind of curled up, like, I'm going to hit submit, and I don't want to do it. <laughs> there was like one or two shower cries. Yeah, it, it was Aww. it was sad. Um, but to answer your question, Okada, <laughs> I'm definitely on board with you guys. I mean, I love the player, and I love his future in that backfield. But from this season perspective, uh, I'm definitely further down on him. If I'm choosing between the two running backs, I will probably still wait on Penny to keep falling in, in drafts that I have coming up because I do think that eventually he has a chance to take over that backfield. And as I've talked about before, the upside is there for sure. Um, but if you're looking for a guy to be on your roster and start for the first three to four weeks, I mean, we can't say who it's going to be. We figure and we, we are suspecting Carson's going to be the guy. Um, but we don't know what that backfield is going to look like as they both get healthy and as they both play. So uh, there's a lot of uncertainty there, and I will probably be passing on both of them if I can do do that in my draft as a strategy and try to avoid that backfield. Um, given that, in addition to that, uh, J.D. McKissick, who's kind of a scat back, uh, he had a couple games of relevance last year for them, also fractured his foot. Uh, he has a, a Jones fracture, which is the same... Uh, fracture that Greg Olson is is recovering from and we know how difficult that is to come back so uh, they're hurting for playmakers out of the backfield at this point so I threw this in there we don't have to talk a lot about it a lot but what do you guys think about Mr. CJ Procise having another shot to finally prove that he's (laughs) he's relevant and he's worth it for for fantasy owners I'll pass I've I've tried (laughs) moving on I've tried believing before (laughs) and it it has not worked out and we've I mean, we've talked about how we think this offense could be in a little bit of trouble, so I'm not mm-hmm. interested in trying to find value in the fourth running back on that team. I agree. I agree. For sure. I think we'll see how it all kind of goes. I mean, I could see one of these guys being a waiver wire ad, you know, a few, a few weeks in or something, and you try to get him early versus late, but in drafts, I think I'm, uh, yeah, I'm going to let that, that train pass right on through the station. Yeah, I was just hoping I could bait you guys into something about it, but it, it didn't work. Uh, these guys are too good. I'm with them. Uh, I'm not on ProSize at all. That that ship has sailed, um, and that's kind of all we need to say about it. Let's get into some of the news that's not injury-related, and, and I had one on the dock here that we were going to talk about first, but you know what? 
Mr. Okada, the floor is yours. Oh. Josh Gordon has returned to the Cleveland Browns. Ooh. Talk to me. Oh, it's a beautiful day. I might have to <laughs> talk to Kent about putting one of those uh, hallelujah drops right in here, you know? I'm thinking one of those, like, you know, like the... Yeah. You know, kind of a thing. Listen, it's like trumpeting through the streets coming back. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I told you all that it was not to be a concern. The draft mm-hmm. Josh Gordon, get him at the value he was falling to when he was falling because he was gone. He was gone because he's being smart. The team is being smart and they let him be gone. Um, I don't think they brought in Des Bryant to try to force his hand or anything like that, which I've kind of heard uh, around the league. But what I do think is that they didn't quite know when he was going to be back. They brought Des Bryant in to, you know, just to look. And as soon as they knew Josh Gordon was coming back, they said, just kidding, Des Bryant, we believe in our boy, Mr. Gordon. So I uh, I was never even really off at all my Josh Gordon hype, as I'm sure you all know, but now I may be even higher on him. And unfortunately, no one on this pod is as high on him as I am, so we won't get to talk <laughs> about him in our consensus top 12, but sneaky, uh, I have him in my top 12. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you are. You're right now alone on that. That uh, we'll you see what will remain alone. Me and Josh. We'll see what happens. Me and Josh. I'm not alone. He's there with me. Mm. <laughs> Wait, and, at least, friends. yeah. No, not on this. We'll see what happens. He won't be in my well, top. And 12. you guys, uh, you guys bench the same amount, right? Too. Oh yeah. Okada. Oh yeah. You guys are in the gym. <laughs> Actually, I think he bros. benches me probably. <laughs> Yeah, oh my god, what an absolute freak of nature that guy is. I'm excited to see him back on a football field. Uh, it's going to be amazing to watch him play again this year. I know that Okada's excited about it. Clearly, I'm excited about it. And I think, in general, football fans are excited to see him uh, see him play again. And, and it's good for his mental health, too, and, and just his sanity and his uh, his safety as well. So, good to see him back, uh, back on an NFL field here shortly. Um, but the thing is, too, with the Browns is they're saying... Uh, and I guess this is from the NFL, their rules, that he's back with the team, but he's not yet fully participating in practice. Is that correct? Yeah. He's, like, restricted to certain activities or something like that. But I think that the reports are that he'll be able to get up to full speed by the time the season rolls around. I think he'll he'll be a little bit behind the curve relative to the other receivers. Um, and so you may even see him a little bit behind the curve in the first couple games. Maybe his target count is a little bit less than it is later in the season in the first couple of games. But if that's the case, just feel free to go out and trade for him if you didn't happen to snag him in the draft. Um, because, listen, this guy is an athletic freak. Uh, he makes his money going deep and getting a ball chucked to him and catching it between 17 defenders uh, if necessary. So He's yeah. got to be the only guy, right, that just can show up when his ADP goes up. I, I just have never seen anything like it. As a Steelers fan, I've never rooted for so many Browns fa- like Browns players <laughs> in my life. I walked, watched Baker play like preseason. I was impressed. Like I really want him to do well. Gordon, like I, I really want him to do well. Anybody that's watched Hard Knocks, of course, we can go into that with the Blossom. And, you know, Blessing. we want Landry to do well. I like Hyde. Do you know what I mean? I've never loved so many players on a divisional rivals team as I do this season just to see how it pans out. But I will gladly take on this role of conservative. I'm going to wait and see how this offense go down. Top 12 is ridiculous in my eyes, but I, I see I see where you're going with the upside 
of top 12, but drafting him top 12, it just feels like when you look at, like I think in, in, in theory, scary, right? yeah, in theory, you can be like top 12. And then when I start naming the top 12 and who already falls out of the top 12 that are consistent, proven, amazing talent players, and you're going to you're gonna argue with me about Gordon, it just feels like yeah, so it's there, a losing argument, in there, my opinion, for there, this guy. There is kind of a, great, a, an important right? distinction to make between where you, when you rank someone, whether you're ranking where you think they're going to finish or whether you're ranking where you should draft them. And okay. I don't think you should draft Gordon at 12, especially since I don't need think you need to but i think that he will finish there point taken awesome okay yeah all right well we'll, we'll see how that situation yeah. uh situation plays out there but uh it's it's definitely exciting to watch for sure uh speaking of guys just showing up the redskins signed adrian peterson today to a one-year deal um if he figures to be the team's starter he's going to play in the team's uh third preseason game what do you guys think i think you, you should listen you should be drafting him somewhere in a fantasy football draft. Now, where that is, is somewhat difficult to say, and I don't think it should be anywhere before the double-digit rounds. I probably don't even think you should draft him in a shallow league at all. And I, it's funny, um, and I haven't said so on the pod, but I did tweet about it. I've, I'm actually working for the NFL Network now as a researcher. Um mm-hmm. And I was, oh, yeah. I was, I happened to be on TweetDeck when that news broke. So I'd like announced it to the little cubicle area that, that was around me. And, and they were like, oh, and flocked around. And then today I just did some research on it. And there's only been one running back at his age or older that has hit a thousand yards ever in the history of the NFL. And it was Frank Gore, who, as we all know, you should subtract seven years from whatever age he actually is. To get the age he plays at. So I don't think that even counts. Um, and we saw Adrian Peterson last year. And it was a little bit of a rough mess. And I'm not a fan of the Redskins offense in general. So for all those reasons. I'm not looking at him anywhere important in your draft. But he's a flyer. Take him as a flyer. And if they give him the first and second down work. You'll have a you know flex option maybe. You'll look like a genius. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I mean if it, if it hits and it works out great. Obviously you, you shouldn't expect the Adrian Peterson of old that goes no. without saying. Yeah. Um, well, but if he's a serviceable starting option, why not kick the tires on him in the double digit round? Yeah, and I I don't even know if it does go without saying, bet. So I think it's important you said it. Do, do not it expect. Goes with saying. Yeah, it goes with saying. Do right. not expect this to be you know all day the the one of the greatest running backs of all time. He is not going to be that. I can guarantee you. So do not think he's going to be an RB one. Do not even think he's going to be an RB two. But look at him as a late round flex flyer. Yeah, just, I think I think we're all in agreement there for sure. Where would you Jen, guys? Did you have something else to add? Yeah, just really quick. Like, where were you even thinking? Like, where were you thinking? Like, running back wise, like if you're comparing, where you would take AP versus a guy you wouldn't like, you would take him over. I mean, mm. where are we even talking? Standard here? PPR. Yes, half. like go for our listeners. Half point PPR, twelve person or ten person. 10 person, I don't think he's on the roster. 12 person, where are you taking him? Like, uh, what running backs are you? See, that's what I mean. I'm like looking at it like... The 13th mm. or 14th, 13th round, somewhere in that okay. range, where you're okay. getting where you're I getting. I would probably handcuffs. go a little earlier. Okay. I would probably go a little earlier, maybe like 11th, 12th, somewhere around there. Okay. Um, as the last potential starting running back. Honestly, okay. I, I would take him the same time that I would take... 
one of the other backs, meaning uh, Samaj P. Ryan or Rob Kelly, mm-hmm. which I don't know what their current ADPs are. I know it's late. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would go somewhere around there. But I think that even at his age and uh, this mark of his career, I still think he's more talented than Samaj P. Ryan yes. and Rob Kelly. True. Which I don't know if that's saying much. <laughs> it's not. Um, <laughs> it is. 12th, 13th. But I just looked yeah, it up. So Rob Kelly him, is in the 12th, mid 12th. And uh, P. Ryan is at the end of 13th. So that's where people are. Yeah. So, I, okay. Right in that range. All right. That gives me kind of an idea because I just couldn't place him where I would take him over anybody. But right there around his, the other people in that backfield, that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys. The last little bit of news here is just something that I've been touting for a while and I've been concerned about and I've been saying about Ronald Jones in Tampa Bay. Uh, He's struggling as a receiver in the backfield and we've seen it in the preseason. It has been absolutely atrocious. Mm -hmm. The guy has had two awful drops he has rushed the ball i think it's 11 times for or no 12 times i'm sorry for 11 yards so far this preseason and and a quote came out from the rb coach today down in tampa which is um tim spencer is their coach he said quote in college there's probably a reason they only threw it to him 17 times Ooh. i mean what is happening to the bucks second round pick savage are you guys out on him are you are you worried what where are we at here with the, the tampa bay buckfield first of all just note that negative coach speak does not really fall under the same category as positive coach speak mm-hmm. when someone says something that bad about their own player you probably mm-hmm. want to pay attention right uh, Especially uh, right now at this point. Exactly. Right? Not yeah. even, hey, we're going to shake it out. We're going to give him a couple more opportunities. We're going to see. I'm sure he's working on some things. No, this was straight up. There's a reason they didn't give him any passing work in this yeah. college ball. That's definitely. Uh, yeah. As far as that's, as that's been my concern all off season for sure with him is that um, we see this all the time with guys in college where we say they can't catch the ball and they show up in the NFL and they just never had a chance to do it in college. It turns out. He actually cannot catch the ball, so he better be hitting the jugs machine for like 500 reps before practice, 500 reps after practice, um, if he wants to get on that field ahead of Peyton Barber. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so just kind of quickly touching on that, I'm not touching touching Ronald Jones this year in drafts. He's on my do not draft list, uh, and this is a major reason why. So we'll uh, we'll kind of wrap up the news there, and uh, we'll go ahead and move into a fun game that we've got, which has been inspired by our own Kent Wyrock, but it's by our own Gent Smith this time. Yeah, yeah. Jen, go ahead and uh, take it away. Well, yeah. I mean, I couldn't pass up the opportunity to try and embarrass both of you. Um, so the first one <laughs> is a quick one, happen. right? And it's based on, I mean, very appropriate. And we're talking about our top wide receivers. So I'm like, hey, how best to ring in talking about our top 2018 receivers than to look back. Let's reflect, right? And let's look at 2017. So I went back and I looked at the top 24. So wide receiver twos, as we're talking about them. And as drafted, ADP. So the first question is, how many of the wide receivers that were drafted last year as wide receiver twos, so top 24, how many of those actually ended the season as top 24 wide receivers in 2017? Uh, let's, just, let's start. Oh, you want to go? You 18. Ready, 18. Okay. What do you I think, I was going to say like 13. 13. Wow, you guys are like, uh, maybe I should have specified if you go over, if you lose, but let's just go closest. So that That's means the, the Akata wins. 
Oh, well, then you lose. Okay. Oh. So the answer is 16. Yes. So you call oh. it that mean bets wins with 13 because it was 16 out of 24 actually ended in the top as a as a wide receiver two at the end of the year. I, or I thought when I looked back, right, exactly. I thought that was a pretty good stat. It is so, pretty good. But also, obviously. Also, note that if you combine our powers, we basically hit it right on the head. So that's why we, <laughs> you know, have a podcast with multiple right. hosts. You right. just kind of average out our opinions and you probably get mm-hmm. the right answer. Exactly. Go consensus. 100%. Therefore, yeah, there's four of us. So there's even distribu- distribution, right? Just divide it and you'll figure it out. Okay. So, well, on the, Bets is winning though, according to your rules. So the follow-up is there's six left, right? Or seven or eight left, excuse me, eight left that weren't drafted as top 24 last season, but ended up in the top 24. So who can name, okay, how should we do this? There's that many, and I have all their names here. How should we do it to see which ones of you can, whoever shouts them out first? <laughs> Let's just go back and forth. Let's go back and forth. Okay, Bets, right. you won. We each, get, won. we each get like three guesses. Okay. And whoever has the most right. wins. Number one, and I know this is correct. Okay, Bets, go. Robbie Anderson. Got it. Go. Okada. Adam Thielen. Yes. Okay. Uh, was Golden Tate drafted as a top 24? You don't get to ask that question. You just have to mm-hmm. know. That's my answer. That's my answer. He oh. was and he ended up. So Tate was drafted as uh, number 23 and ended up top 12. So moving just on. Missed. Mm-hmm. This, is, right. this is half PPR, right? Yes. Well, they didn't have the data for ADP for half PPR. So I had to use PPR. So if okay. that helps. Okay. Half PPR only started this year with Fantasy Football Calculator. Akadi, you better get this because I got my next answer. Oh, gosh. <gasps> and I know it's right. Oh, gosh. The pressure. Um, you can do it. You can do it. Oh, boy. Give me some, uh, give me some teams. I need some teams. Who am oh, I? Juju, what, Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju Smith-Schuster. Oh, he was mine. I don't know if what he saw gave him a hint or not. I'm sorry, Bets. Oh, this is bullcrap. Okay, Bets. This is rigged. Bets. That was my guess. Okay. Anybody else? Um, Let me think. Hold on. Let me think of a hint. We should be able to come up with one more guess each. Yeah, I agree. This is probably a little far-fetched. Just swing for it. Yeah. Maybe not. Uh, Robert Woods. Ooh, that's good. Where did he end? He was not in the top. Nope. Mm -mm. Nope. Uh, that makes me want to guess Cooper Cup, but I don't think he finished top 24 either. Um, uh, Chris Hogan. No, 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 no. He didn't play enough games. He only played nine games. Cancel that. Cancel that. I'm canceling. Everyone heard that. No, no, no. They did hear it, but we'll allow you to change your answer, but I can't change people's memory. Okay. All right. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with one that I don't think is right, but I just want to say it anyways. Kenny Stills. No, oh. but I feel like he was close. I'm gonna look up. He was he close. Finished. He was 26. Oh. Okay, and just to give you right, we're talking 24. So he is really close. You're really close. And actually, just to let you know, Woods was number 33. So Ew. right. So not people so not quite where you're at. By my Kenny so, Stills guess being better, do I win the game? Yes, no. you win the game. No. Okay. <laughs> so you stole Juju from me. I was gonna get that right. I know. <laughs> I don't know if there's a winner, but. Okay, so we'll move on, but I just want to say the other one. So you guys got Thielen, who was the eighth. So he wasn't drafted in the top 24 and ended up number eight. 
right? Then you also got Juju, who ended up number 22, and Robbie Anderson, who ended up number 18. The others were Landry, who ended up number four. Wow. Marvin Jones, who ended up number 11. Devin Funchess, who ended up Ugh, 20. Well, and I'm not, Bets, I'm not going to let you say his name because we're a family friendly <laughs> show. And then the last one was Aguilar, who ended at number 21. Wow. Do you have mm-hmm. Landry's ADP? Um, I don't. Oh, I don't. Because I feel like it has to have been right outside the top 24. I would never have guessed him because of, I thought he would be drafted in there. Yeah, what are you people doing? Draft well, Jarvis Landry in the top 24. <laughs> Especially in KPR. But it just goes to show you, right, that we can draft people. And just to, well, just really quick. I, this is, doesn't have to be a game. We can all guess. But t- I went back one more year, 2016, right? And oh so boy. we had 16 out of 24 made it, right? In out of 24 in 2016. Yeah. How many do you think made it? Out of the top 24 in 2016. Last so we're just year was a bad year for receivers. I don't know okay. how that... I'm going to say more. I'm going to say more in 2016. Bets? I was going to say like 17 or 18, like about the same, but maybe a little more. I'll go with 18, which is my answer for 17. Okay. So Bets wins because it was horrible. It was 12 out of 24. Oh. 50%. Imagine that. You spend draft capital. Now, of course, the top guys. And then there was lots of injuries. 2016 was the OBJ injury, right? It was... um, who else? Uh, Keenan Allen, right? Got injured that year as well. I mean, there's 16. a lot of stuff going on that year, right? So, yeah. but it just goes to show you. And I think that that's why it's good to go over this stuff. We're talking about our top guys. But every year, there are players that you do not think and you don't think to draft in your top. So when you're looking around, when you have a gut about guys, when you're researching, just know that there are guys later in drafts that you're going to get that are going to end up in the top 24. And there's guys like now we're like, see? Draft Landry, what are you talking about? Diggs, number 19. <laughs> are you insane? Why aren't you drafting these guys, right? Exactly. That every year there's these these talents that kind of come up or guys that are unexpected or rookies that kind of pop into our top 24. So pay attention to your drafts. And, you know, even we can't fully predict what's going to happen during the season. So it's good to know, good to do your research and get them later rounds. And then you could beat the pants off for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to uh, to go ahead and do this again next year around the same time, and we'll see just how crazy we were for missing out on guys later in draft. I know. So we should make note fun, of our Jen. drafts, right? Yeah, that was fun, Jen. Good stuff. Um, and with that being said, let's go ahead and get into our top ten wide receiver rankings uh, for 2018. Again, these are half point PPR rankings, which is our standard here on the show. We did include Kent Wyrak's uh, rankings in this, even though he's not with us. Um, but we'll have to go ahead and uh, and throw in some shade later when we talk to him. But <laughs> we'll go ahead and get into number one. Listen, guys, there's not much to say. It's Antonio Brown, and it's not with without question that this one. Uh, we've all got him at number one. He's the consensus ranking number one amongst all fantasy players uh, for the most part. And he's the first wide receiver drafted in fantasy drafts. Um, I don't have much to say about it except for the guy's an absolute stud. And Jen is now showing us a Funko. A, is that a... It is. Oh it's a bobblehead. God. It's an Antonio bobble Brown head. bobblehead that will soon be on my pod shelf next to his jersey. That's awesome. <laughs> um, He's my hero. Guys, anything to add to this situation? I mean, there's not a too much to add to it because we know what he is and what his value is uh, to fantasy players, especially from the wide receiver position. All I wish I could add was a touchdown dance. That's it. The, I guess I the only thing He's- I'd add is don't be afraid of Juju and... Uh, uh, who's their rookie? 
Jen? James Washington. James Washington. Washington. Thank you. Who looks great, by the way. Oh. But don't let either of those guys being good put you off of Brown at all. He is Mm-mm. the best receiver in the league all around and one of the best all time, and he's number one. It's right. We can move on. And, Absolutely. Right. And, and just and to him. give everyone a sense yeah. of his consistency over the past uh, five seasons, it's ridiculous. Number two overall, number three overall, number one back-to-back in two years, and then number six. So uh, you're drafting him as a top three option, guaranteed. Uh, lock it in, no questions asked. All right, let's go ahead and uh, let's, with that, move on to number two. Again, there's not a ton of discrepancy here. The three of us are actually all in agreement that Mr. DeAndre Hopkins is the second best receiver to draft this year. Kent's got him at three. Um, He's the second wide receiver off the board in drafts, and the expert consensus ranking uh, is number two, according to Fantasy Pros. Uh, I love DeAndre Hopkins. He's essentially quarterback proof, and he's proven that throughout the course of his career, but this season, he'll have a full season with a good quarterback. And so for that reason, you've got to be excited about what DeAndre Hopkins can do down there in Houston. Mm-hmm. Can you yeah. believe last year they drafted him at number 15? Oh. Last year, I was in a draft. It was it was non-PPR, granted. It was a standard league. But I got him in the seventh round. Oh, my gosh. And I, I passed it on the sixth because I was like, my league mates have no idea what they're doing. I'm going to get him a, a round later. And I gambled on it a little bit and I got him and it was absolutely glorious. <laughs> Just week after week, touchdown after touchdown, watching that guy rack up points. Right? Yep. Um, and uh, Besides, it, was, yeah. it was great. You mm-hmm. may have heard somewhere around the rumor mill that the Hopkins actually did just as well or better with non-Watson quarterbacks as with Watson quarterbacks. So, oh no, we don't know what's going to happen if it's Watson for 16 games. Listen, the same reason that none of us, I don't think, are as high as De- on Deshaun Watson as the general public which is that it's too small of a sample size to take those numbers and project them outwards, applies here to DeAndre Hopkins. Watson is going to be a better quarterback than anyone he's played with, and as Betts mentioned, he's been nearly QB-proof um, throughout his entire career. So he's going to eat. He's probably going to be top three in targets easily, and he's mm-hmm. also top three, in my opinion, just as far as receiver talent. Athletically, he's a monstrosity. So lock him in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no questions asked. Done. We'll go ahead and uh, we'll keep this this train rolling here. We'll go on to number three, and that is a guy returning from injury last year, uh, Mr. Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, Kent's got him at two. Jen, you've got him at three. I've got him at four. And Okada, you've got him at two. Uh, he's going as the third wide receiver off the board, so we're pretty much following ADP here, real original. <laughs> um, and he's also the third uh, the third ranked player amongst the consensus on Fantasy Pros. Um, Okada, you've got him at two, so you're a little higher on him than myself and, and Jen. So go ahead and fill me in what's going on here with Odell. Okay, so I don't know what happened in translation, but I actually have him at four. I don't know. Okay, yeah. ignore everything I just said. <laughs> so I don't know how that came in, but I'll, I'll, I'll still respond because that makes me the low guy. Well, you and I together. And the reason for me is that I don't think he's going to have quite the target share that he's had. Because there's a lot more talent around him. Uh, Saquon Barkley is obviously by far the best running back they've had. And Shepard in his third season. Ingram as a breakout now. Um, I think he might take a little bit of a dip. But again, that's from what would have put him at two or three down to four. It's almost no difference. This guy is also going to eat. He's going to be 150 targets plus. He's going to score probably 10 touchdowns. So you can't go wrong. Yeah, and I mean when you when you look at um, 
when you look at his draft position, even from a year ago and two years ago, he was going in the top five or six picks of your draft. And the fact that he's slipping into the second round this year, I think is just absolutely egregious in some drafts. I mean, the guy when he's on the field is right up there with the two guys we just talked about in Antonio Brown and DeAndre Hopkins um, from a production standpoint. I get it. He's a, a flashy player. He does a lot of antics on the sideline, yada, yada, yada. It doesn't matter. When he's on the field, the guy produces. And in an offense, it's going to ba- bounce back this year. Um, I think you've got to be excited about him. And, and from an injury perspective, too, I mean, he's coming off the fractured fibula with the high ankle sprain. It can be a pretty difficult injury to come back from. But given that his injury occurred, I think it was week four, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. last year, he's going to have plenty of time to be back. Uh, he's been progressing well all off season through training camp um, and now in, into the preseason as well. So he's on track for week one. Absolutely zero concerns for me from a medical perspective. Um, and for that reason, I think that he's going to be a guy who, even at his high draft capital of that late first, second round, I think he could still return some good investment on that price, which is hard to say for guys that are going at that top at that top range and and uh, at that ceiling because that's where you usually draft these guys. But for Odell, you're actually not drafting him at a ceiling this year, which is which is unique. Um, so I don't know what you guys think about that. I am excited about him and I hope that he returns the form here uh, in 2018. Yeah, I think he's bumming down the draft boards mostly because it's just the trends we're seeing of the running back cores. You know, the, the bell cows and the tiers get kind of thin, um, at, at least people's confidence in those tiers. So I think once you get out of the top guys, um, people are very scared that they won't be able to find later running backs in the draft that are going to kind of fill that in. And so OBJ and Julio and Gronk and just some receivers you would never expect to kind of come back to you on the, on the back the back end of, you know, the second round are coming around because everybody's reaching for running backs. And I think this is when we're talking about going into a draft and not having a set strategy and unwilling to kind of move from that because – OBJ is one of these guys that I think is going to actually fall. I think Julio is probably going to fall way more than him. And you can snack these guys really like later than you would be typical, typically because you're going to be zagging people or zigging, basically. So I can't believe a talent like him is kind of falling that low, other targets or otherwise. And the people that finally get him, I think, are going to be kind of uh, seeing how that value comes into play later on this season. So. I have a. We'll just go ahead and transition into Julio. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Okada. I was just going to say I have a special report from Kent Wyrock that says uh, (laughs) Odell Beckham is the best because he's got good hair and he makes good catches, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Is that him wearing his. uh, his What's his toque? Yes, his his toque. (laughs) And eating some maple syrup. Uh, A boat. (laughs) Oh, Kent. (laughs) I picture Kent just like in the wilderness wearing like. A nice flannel. Oh, yeah. He's got his toque on. His beard's growing nice yep. and thick mm. up there. Just, just sipping on a nice uh, nice cup of hot coffee there in the wilderness. Uh, Ken, of course, we love you, buddy. Just giving you a hard time. Um, we'll go ahead and move on to number four here. Uh, and that is Mr. Julio Jones, a guy who, honestly, his only knock is the touchdowns. Uh, he's productive when he's on the field in terms of a receiving standpoint and receiving yards uh but last year was an absolute down year in touchdowns we can all agree on that um and you mentioned jen he's he's slipping in drafts i think mm-hmm. because of that yes and actually okada i think you got him at pick 15 in our listener league is that right yeah that sounds about right because i'm super high on yeah, Julio so this year. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in in teams that are are in drafts, I should say that are twelve teams and ten teams, um, that is immense value to get Julio Jones that late. Uh, so so there's no reason that he should be drafting or being drafted that that low. Excuse me. Um, do you guys think he's prime for a bounce back year in terms of of touchdowns? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I've I find myself for some reason in the back half of the first round in the majority of redraft and best balls that I've done this year, and I, I've. Cannot even tell you how many drafts I've gone Dalvin Cook in the first round, Julio Jones in the second round. He He's, number one, he almost has to regress on touchdowns because of the red zone targets that he gets and the talent that he is. It has to be a little bit fluky that he only had three last year. But also, in general, he, he gets a higher number than that. And lastly, this is the second year with Steve Sarkeesian as the offensive coordinator. And for the most part, we, t- we tend to see a trend where... No matter how good an OC is, the first year they come in is a little bit rough. They're trying to implement their new system. Obviously, they were coming out of Kyle Shanahan's system, which was incredible. Um, and then in the second year, once they get a little bit more entrenched, we see the offense rebound a little bit. And I mentioned this actually briefly on our uh, live draft pod that I'm on the Falcons offense because I believe in that rebound. I got Julio and Devonta Freeman in that draft. Uh, so I'm all aboard this train. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just to kind of look at his finish last year, I mean, even with the low touchdown count, and, and guys, correct me if I'm wrong, did he only have three touchdowns last year? Is that right? I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure that's correct, yeah. Three. Yeah, he still finished as the fourth overall wide receiver in fantasy. So if you give him three or four more touchdowns, I mean, he's immediately bumping up to maybe the number two position uh, in, in overall. So this this is going to regress back to his usual um, he's an excellent value this year. I love Julio, and I love if you can get him uh, where he's going, especially with the the combination that Okada brought out there. Dalvin Cook and Julio Jones. My goodness, mm. what a start to your draft, huh? Mm. Mm-hmm. And I was just looking, and I won't like belabor this, because I know up here at the top we're just kind of like trying to find some shadows of reasons. But just like you were saying, his touchdowns go up, boom, he goes up. But also, I was just looking at his receptions. He had 88 receptions last season. Everyone ahead of him, everyone that finished ahead of him had 100 or more receptions besides DeAndre Hopkins, who had 96. So he has 88 receptions. He even bumps that up a little bit. And and this guy just go, and you know, and he had at or equal to the same yardage as them. So it just goes to show you what this guy can do when he catches the ball. He makes plays, he makes contested catches, but then he can also get yards after the catch. I just, I hope everybody lets him drop. Yeah. I I will take him. Lastly, really (laughs) quick, Betts mentioned Antonio Brown's consistency, and I feel like Julio's Mm -hmm. gets lost a little bit in his lack of touchdowns, and people say tend to say for some reason that he has up and down weeks, which I don't even think really is true. He just has mega games that make his decent games look a little bit less great. But this is his yardage over the past four seasons. 1593, 1871, 1409, 1444 in four straight seasons. That is obscene. So this you're guy, concerned about his usage, right? You're concerned about where he's going to fall? Uh, <laughs> That's what you're this, saying, Akon? <laughs> this guy is going to be all over. And by the way, it's also possible, I guess I, that what I just said wasn't the last thing because I'm just so hyped about Julio Jones. He may have the best receiver he's had on the field with him since Roddy White in Calvin Ridley. I'm a high guy in Calvin Ridley, and he's looked great in the preseason. So if that helps a little bit in taking the quadruple teams off of Julio, that could give him even better numbers. Yeah, Absolutely. 
We'll go ahead and move on here to our number five consensus wide receiver. The 2017 third-ranked overall wide receiver from last year. And the, the comeback player of the year, Keenan Allen, coming off of that ACL, came out and was an absolute beast last year. Kent's got him at five, Jen's at five, Okada, you're at five, and, and I'm at six. Um, he's currently the sixth wide receiver off the board. Guys, the, the offense is going to be good. Keenan Allen is an absolute target hog when he's out there. Um, and, and I think he's going to benefit a lot from the loss of, of Henry Henry this year. Um, not that he wasn't going to already be the alpha in that offense, but now it just gives him even more targets. And I absolutely love Keenan Allen this year. Tell me why you guys are, are high on Keenan Allen. Yeah, honestly, I'm upset about this because last year I was all over Keenan Allen, drafting him everywhere because everybody was afraid of his injury prone uh, career. And as Betts, no. I'm sure, will tell you, and in fact, I think you can find articles by him throughout the interwebs. Keenan Allen is not injury prone. He had freakish injuries. And when we finally got to see him play a full season, we saw how good he really is. So I'm I'm upset that he's this high because now I can't get him at a value. But yeah, he's going to be crazy. Like you said, the target count could be up. He may even get more red zone work with Hunter Henry gone, although it looks like Mike Williams might actually step up uh, and pretty much take all of that uh, responsibility because he's looked great as a jump ball guy. But yeah, Keenan Allen's superb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he for needs, sure. He and needs somebody though across him. He needs. He needs. He. he mm-hmm. I'm. I'm glad that him. I was waiting to see if it would be Tyrell or Mike stepping up into that role and kind of figuring it out. So I'm really glad somebody's stepping up to to have somebody across from him. I. I've loved Keenan since the beginning. I. I hope he plays another 16 so that everybody that ever said he wasn't going to do that can just go shove it. I'm on the train too. Too. I'll be the. <laughs> conductor of this train that's completely fine i absolutely keenan love him love it all the way (laughs) and and just a a quick shameless plug here i'll uh, i'll throw this in if you google keenan allen injury prone two of my articles are the top five that come up as the first hits on on google proud writing about this for the past freaking three years um he is not injury prone the guy has had a fluky history of injuries. Yes, he has an ACL tear in his, in his history. Yes, as a result, he's more prone to a second ACL tear, but so is every other player. He's had things like a lacerated kidney and a fractured collarbone, uh, things that just don't correlate together. So people that just look at how many games he plays each season are missing the big picture and missing the medical aspect of what's happening here. Uh, the guy's just been unlucky, and it's helped us as fantasy owners who are knowledgeable in that uh, say, okay, you can pass on him, I'll take him, and I'll reap the benefits of it. Keenan Allen, absolutely uh, a monster this year, and he's going to be be a great steal. Again, a guy that you can pair with a top-notch running back and start your draft uh, extremely well with a, a strong running back, and then Keenan Allen in the second round. Uh, fantastic start to your draft there. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go ahead and keep rolling here. We've got number six, the wide receiver one for the New Orleans Saints, Michael Thomas. Kent's got him at six. Jen, you've got him at six. I've got him at five. And Okada, you've got him at seven. He is currently the fifth uh, receiver off the board. Um, Guys, Michael Thomas, talk to me about him. What do you think? I like it. I like him. It's hard because I think, right, it's like splitting hairs a little bit. I like everybody above him more than him. Yep. That's I think that's more what it is. Unless I don't like him, it's more I like the guys above him better. That's when I said, 
that's exactly <laughs> the thought that was in my mind. Um, right? I think he probably has a little bit less upside than most, if not all, of our top ten, actually. But possibly it's one of the highest floors. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, I kind of tend to rank a little bit more towards where I think people might end up as opposed to where to draft them. So he's someone you, if you want a nice safe receiver, you take him at five or six. I, I'm totally on board with that. Um, but yeah, I just like, I like a few other guys a little bit more. Yeah. And that's fair. It, no one's low on him. Like you guys just mentioned, we're all excited about him. Um, the reason I've got him just a touch ahead of, of Keenan um, is because of the fact that Drew Brees regressed so much in the touchdown department last year that that number has got to come back up. And the primary beneficiary of that is going to be Michael Thomas. Uh, so over the course of, of Drew Brees' last um, nine seasons, he's averaged 37 touchdown passes per season. Last year he had just 23. That is an absolute outlier. There's no way that number stays that low. Even with the offense starting to turn more to the running game, um, there's no way that Brees throws that few touchdowns this year. And so for that reason, I love Michael Thomas. He's going to bounce back as more of a touchdown uh, catcher than he was last year. Um, and so for that reason, he's going to be another stud at the position. I think we can all agree on that. All right, let's go ahead and keep rolling here. We've got number seven, uh, Mr. Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers' go-to guy in this offense. Without Jordy there, Adams figures to be the alpha. Uh, but some people that I've heard out there are a little a little cautious on Devontae because of the fact that he uh, he's never had a 1,000-yard season. Does that make you guys hesitant, or is that just something that's a result of injuries and not necessarily the result of the player? I mean, I'm the low guy. I have him at 9, and I would say no. That's not the reason that I have him where I have him. Um, I think he's going to crest 1,000 yards, and I think the only reason he hasn't is because he hasn't entered the season as the clear number 1, which he's doing this year. Um, obviously last year as well, Aaron Rodgers was gone for a lot of that. Uh, so he may well have done it last year, even with Jordy on the field. Uh, the, the reason I have him at nine is because I believe a little bit more in Geronimo Allison than the average guy. So I think he might take a Geronimo. <laughs> I think he might take a few more targets and yards than most people would, would probably project. And then I'm also a little bit higher on Jimmy Graham than the average guy. And I think that he'll take a few of the touchdowns that most people would project for Adam. So that's why I have him at nine as opposed to seven or eight. But again, he's right up there. He's one of the guys that has the upside, by the way. He could get 15 touchdowns pretty easily. Um, but maybe a little bit more lower of a floor. Yeah, I mean, you said it there. It's all about that touchdown upside. Uh, I've heard people, and I can't remember who said this, so I apologize. I wish I could quote it. Probably Nate um, Hamilton. No, 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 not not about uh, Devontae. Oh, okay. Um, or as he calls him, Baby Nuke. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think it might have been Elliot Chris on Twitter saying uh, something about don't leave your draft without Tom Brady's wide receiver one. Hmm. Don't leave your draft without Aaron Rodgers' wide receiver one. Um, it works. It's effective. He's going to score a ton of touchdowns. And I've said this before, um, and even on our, our bonus pod a couple days ago, I think Devontae Adams is a league winner this year for people, and he's not being treated that way. Uh, so I like him a lot. I've got him at seven. Um, Kent's got him at seven. Jen's at eight. And then Okada, like you mentioned, you're you're at nine there. So we can all agree he's a great option this year, um, but some people just aren't quite as high on him uh, as others. The next guy on the list here is, is number eight for us. It's a guy that uh, has been a little disrespected, I feel like, in the last um, season or two, just given kind of his career history and what he did last year. I'm talking about A.J. Green. 
a guy who finished as the wide receiver 11 last year, even though most people think he had a quote-unquote down year. Uh, Okada, you're the lowest on him here, and Jen, you're actually the highest on him mm-hmm. here. Jen, you're at 7. Okada, you're at 10. Uh, Jen, let's kick it over to you. Tell sure. me why you're the highest out of all of us uh, on AJ Green. Because I think last year was a quote-unquote down year, and you just said where he finished. And this is a guy that has a history of being consistent. He has plenty of, um, I mean, I was just looking earlier, every season except 2016 where he missed six games, he has had a 1,000-yard-plus season. Uh, This is a guy that will finish at the top. And I think what's scaring people off is the fact that he's on the Bengals and that he has Andy Dalton, Dalton, who has not exactly been the picture of consistency, um, throwing to him. But I think that offense took a step forward. And when I'm at the top here and I'm kind of looking at guys, I look at the talent. I look at the targets. um, And he's going to get the targets. He has the talent. And I think Andy Dalton is a quarterback that rises to the occasion of his weapons. And I just think last year was not a great year for them. And so if he can kind of (laughs) make it through that, end up still where he ended up um, for his fantasy owners and prove to do better, I guess I'm looking at his ceiling is where I'm drafting him. Um, I'm going to take a swing at AJ Green over some guys that maybe have some other... um, I don't know, question marks or not as many target. This is the targets he's going to get on that team is outrageous. I just, he's going to have the opportunity and I know he has the talent to capitalize. So it's, it's easy for me to rank him right here. It's really yeah. easy. For me, this is another instance of the Michael Thomas. I just like other guys better. AJ Green for me is actually the, the biggest instance of that because I think he's an elite receiver in the NFL still. I think his offense, pretty much everything Jen just said, I agree with. And I just have a few other guys that I sneak ahead of him, uh, a couple of which we'll talk about in a second. Um, he is 30 years old. He turned 30 years old about 21 minutes, 21 minutes, 21 days ago. <laughs> and when I say about 21 Coming days up, ago, AJ, get ready. I mean, exactly 21 days ago. I looked it up. Um, so, you know, he's he should be on the decline of his career. So I think it's it's not too crazy to say that his down year might be the beginning of a downward trend. I think he might bounce back a little bit, but I have him at 10, so I think it won't be quite to the elite status he was at before, but I still like him. Yeah, absolutely. And and this kind of top eight for us as a, as a podcast and as a team is kind of where we start to have a little bit of a divide as we get into number nine and 10 here. Uh, we'll go ahead and jump forward now to number nine, and, and the reason that he's up this high is because of you, Okada. You've got him mm-hmm. at six. We're talking about Mr. Mike Evans. Uh, who most people are down on this year, again, because of a touchdown issue. Um, I don't know what it is with this guy. He's got 12 touchdowns his rookie year. Then he drops down to what, like five? Three. The next year. Three the next year. Um, Back up to 12. And just been kind of like yo-yoing back and forth with his touchdowns. Okada, you seem to think that he's going to get this right uh, this year. Yeah. I'm not so sure. I've I've got him at 10, so I'm not that low on him. Jen's at 12. Kent's at 12. Sell us on why he's a top six wide receiver. I mean, you kind of stole my thunder because the simple fact is he has to get 12 touchdowns this year. He goes 12-3, That means this is a 12-year. No, but really, uh, I don't. I can't quite explain the interesting t- touchdown bounces. Um, part of it is just simply that touchdowns are not predictable. They are fluky. We'll, we'll, we've talked about this before. We'll talk about it again. They're one of the least predictable 
stats. Um, and when you're looking at guys and trying to project them out, what you really want to look at is targets, receptions, yards. Targets actually for me is one of the biggest. Um, and, and also talent and who the player is. And Mike Evans is a red zone monstrosity. One of the best probably in the league, in my opinion. So I expect those touchdowns to come back up, not just because it's the year for them to come back up to 12. Um, and then, listen, this is this guy's fifth year in the league. He has not had less than 1,001 receiving yards in his entire career, including his rookie season. Um, and his target counts over the past four years, 122, 148, 173, 136. This He is elite in just about every uh, category that you can pick. Um, the only one he's not is yards after catch. He's kind of a go up and get it and then just sit down right there where he is. He's sort of the opposite of Golden Tate, but that's why he's so good in the red zone because he will dominate whatever corner is on him. And I'm, I'm in on double digit touchdowns. I'm in on 130 plus targets. For me, that means I'm in on probably 1200 yards. And when I put all this, all those things together, it has him all the way up at six for me. And I also love Jameis Winston. Uh, coming into this year, even though he'll miss a few games. A few? Yes, three to be exact. And to that point, Evans has done great with Ryan Fitzpatrick on the field, so I, that does not affect his ranking for me at all. I need to see that stat, maybe. I don't know. I, the split? Yeah, um, because I agree with you. I think that's what's hard, is because when you watch Mike Evans, you see how big of a target he is. You see the presence he should have and that he does have at times. And then you just see him fall apart. And to me, yeah, he gets the targets, but you're looking at 136 targets and 71 receptions. You're looking at 171 targets and 96 receptions. There's something else happening there that I can't quite figure it out that is more than touchdowns. It, You know? Like, it, it's more than that. It, is it quarterback play? Because last season, Winston just was never quite right. He hurt a shoulder, and they just couldn't get back into the groove. And so the targets to, to Evans weren't quite there, or the chemistry was slightly off. I don't know what it is, but a talented receiver to um, not connect on that many passes when you're getting that many targets is enough to bump him down for me a little bit. That's more what it's about for me attack on that Winston's not going to be there for three games. It was an easy bump down for the guys around him. Um, maybe I even considered lower, to be honest, just based on that. Just not really knowing where he's going to be at. And when I spend this draft capital on somebody, I want a floor. Like we were talking about Michael Thomas. Hey, you want somebody that's going to be that number one target? Devontae Adams, et cetera. Like Rogers, number one target. Drew Brees is number one target. Like these huge quarterbacks, number one target, the floor that you get with that, the security that you get with this draft capital is huge. And with Mike Evans, there's this intangible like, mm, nope, I don't I don't want to invest that in him. And that's where it's at for me. So compared to the other. Yeah, I think that I think that both of those points are definitely valid. I'll say that I probably lie in the in the middle of you two. Uh, I share the concern, Jen, about some of those up and down weeks and and the fact that his talent doesn't always match his production. I hate when he catches the ball. I don't know what it is. Like he just like falls over, yep. right. like run after the catch. Um, he's, he's huge. He's a monster, uh, but he, he just doesn't play that way. So that definitely frustrates me. But Okada, like you mentioned, he's one of the best red zone targets sure. in the game. So that should level out a little bit. Uh, and he could return to form uh, this season in the end zone. 
just so you know the split um that jen asked for yeah with fitzpatrick 14.22 ppr fantasy points with winston 15.7 and that's only in a five game sample of fitzpatrick so like i said with watson you can't necessarily project it out but it hasn't hurt him too much in the past so i'm okay with it yeah no i appreciate that split i didn't yeah i was really curious about that so thanks Mm. and the thing too with with fitzpatrick he's done it before where he just doesn't care he chucks it up to his guy so we saw that with uh with the jets a couple seasons ago when it was uh, eric decker and brandon marshall they were the offense so uh if if evans is going to be the top dog in that offense theoretically fitch should feed him uh which should only help him uh get back to to where he was uh, a year ago we'll go ahead and keep cranking on here we've got one more that we're going to get through to finish out our top 10 and this is where we start to get divided uh, Mr. T.Y. Hilton has somehow crept up into the top 10 of our consensus rankings, all thanks to Mr. Okada and <laughs> Kent. Uh, Jen's got him at 11. I'm down on him. I've got him at 16. And Okada and Kent have him at 8. So, Okada, this has been the theme. Fill us in, man. Why is he so high? All right, Kent, I'll defend your honor. <laughs> Listen. Hey, you, can't, you don't have your uh, your hype man in the background. If, you, if, if you've been listening to me much at all, you know that I'm 100% fully on board with Andrew Luck. Um, in fact, we, uh, as you guys all may know, you listeners, a few of us here uh, work right for the Fantasy Footballers website. And we have a My Guys. A few of you or? Oh, yes. Or a all few of, of you besides <laughs> me. Um, Moving on. They, they have a they have a piece where we pick a quote unquote my guy for the year and my guy that I picked this year is Andrew Luck. I am one hundred percent sold. You guys, if you listen to the bonus episode, you heard me draft him. I don't even know where I drafted him. Probably sixth or seventh round, um, maybe higher than I should have. But I believe he is one hundred percent going to be back and full blown Andrew Luck. And for a for that to be the case, and b if it is the case, it's kind of a chicken and egg thing. T.Y. Hilton is going to be extremely good at football. He is going to be way up in the top uh, echelon as far as yards. He's going to get quite a few targets and receptions because they honestly don't have much else on that team at the wide receiver position. They have a couple of solid tight ends, uh, but he is far and away the wide receiver one in Indianapolis. Um, And like I said, I, I love Luck, and that means I love Hilton, so I have him all the way up at eight. Now, right. now, Bex, yeah, you some, have uh, to tell us why he's 16 because that that might even I'm be farther from the norm on that on that take. Um, my concern all offseason has obviously been the health of Andrew Luck, uh, and that's the reason I've been so down on T.Y. Hilton up to this point, and Luck obviously for that reason. But uh, from what we've seen so far in the past few weeks, in the past month or so, it's all good signs. And so I'm not here to tell you that Andrew Luck isn't going to be ready for week one. I believe he will be. He's shown that enough now for me to say, okay, my concern is is low. Uh, he's almost all the way out of the woods. I think he's like a foot and three quarters out of the woods. He's not, <laughs> not two feet out of the woods. Uh, but he's taking hits. He's getting up. He's still throwing the ball. But I still want to see more from Luck from a football perspective before I say that he is back to who he was a couple of years ago. Um, I mean, when you when you look at the first preseason game that they played, it was very regimented in that they didn't let him throw the ball beyond 20 yards down the field. It was all check down passes. It was all controlled. When you looked at game two, I was hoping to see them be able to open the ball up a little more for him, let him chuck it down the field um, and all that kind of stuff. 
which they haven't done yet. So that's not on Luck. That's just on the offense as a whole, kind of getting him acclimated. Um, but from what I've seen from Luck in those those two games, there is a little rust to knock off. And, and he's not just going to jump in and be what he was when he was a top five quarterback. Uh, the talent is there, sure. But when you come back from an injury of this magnitude, being able to get back into game speed and getting back into football conditioning where your mind is sharp and you're following all the plays and, and all that kind of stuff, there's just so many factors going into it. Um, so I want to see more from Luck in week three of the preseason, and I want to see uh, T.Y. out there being the reliable number one before I put him up that high. Uh, listen, I'm still happy if he's on my roster at this point in draft season. I just don't think that I'm going to be a guy reaching up to take him uh, at his ceiling in drafts this year. So like I said, I've got him at 16. If he falls to me there, I'm taking him and I'm happy with it, but I'm not going to go ahead and, and take him around earlier than, than that. So let me ask you this question then. Let's suppose that in the next preseason game, Andrew Luck comes out and throws a Patrick Mahomes-like deep bomb to T.Y. Hilton it. for a touchdown. How And then he does it again in week four, if they even play him in week four. <laughs> How high would Hilton I think they said they're going you? to. Yeah, I think they said they are going to play him in week four, so that's a possibility. If that's the case, um, and we also have to remind ourselves, too, uh, T.Y. Hilton is currently banged up with a left shoulder injury. He's dealing with, uh, they called it a sprain. He's going to be fine. He'll be there week one, but just to point it out there. Um, if that's the case and he shows that in those those two weeks, uh, just to kind of give you guys names that I have above him right now, um, I've got Larry Fitzgerald, I've got Stephon Diggs, I've got Adam Thielen, um, Amari Cooper, I will probably still take all of those guys above him, Ooh. but I can see myself putting him up a little closer into that like 13 to 14 range. So I will bump him up a little bit, but I probably won't bump him up as high as you guys have him. All right. I'm sticking to it. You seem uh, you seem very disappointed in me. I am. I'm very disappointed <laughs> in you, Bet. <laughs> you Do you have anything to add to this situation? No, I'm more, I mean, I'm on board with basically what you have said, I think I'm probably in the middle ground. I'm, I'm a more conservative player in the early rounds for the most part. And so that's why I have kind of sided on the same side as bets and being more conservative with both my rankings of Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton. I do think they're very connected as far as fantasy production. When I look back at six, you know, 2016, 2014, when Hilton ended up top five, and then top 10. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tempting to move him up, but I just feel more um, stable with some of the other guys there. Mm. And until I see a little bit more from him, and I was also, I'm just going to own it. I was somebody that was burned by drafting Luck last season uh. and thinking he was going to come back. Um and obviously, he was very, very far from that, but we didn't know that at the time. So I took a shot on him and his upside already. And so for me in that offense, I'm a little bit probably more conservative than most because of that. And so when I have guys around him that I have zero concerns about, you know, I'm going to lean that way. Um, I think the this is kind of that upside risk kind of a thing. And it's probably going to pay off for the Luck and Hilton investors, especially in best ball earlier Ooh, in the summer. I was yeah. thinking about that. I was thinking about that the other day about just the people that kind of, you know, sucked it up and were like, no, he's going to come. like, I, like how I felt last season. And you just go in, all in just as if they were going to come back. Those people are going to make bank, most likely the ones that grabbed Luck, the ones that grabbed Hilton and just said they're coming back in June. Yeah. Yeah, They're at that time make- you were getting luck in like round twelve right? and like yep. 
getting Hilton in like round six or seven. Yes. So, yeah. At that point, that's going to pay amazing <laughs> Can dividends. Can you imagine now? The season. Right? Yeah. That's the awesome value. stuff. Yeah. Also, if you take Betts and Mai's rankings and average it out, you get number 12. And Jen has him at number 11. And as we've learned, that's the right way to do things. So right. that's probably where he'll be. <laughs> There's four of us. You yeah. kind of just average it out. <laughs> Absolutely. And for our listeners who haven't found our rankings, yet, you can find those over at thefantasyauthority.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've all got our rankings there for, for standard, for half PPR, uh, as well as for full PPR, all positions. Um, so if you have questions about rankings or any of that kind of stuff, head on over to thefantasyauthority.com where you can find all of our great stuff over there. That wraps it up for our top 10. Mr. Okada, take us out of here. All right, guys, listeners, listen. It's your turn to listen now. You, you get to be the listeners all the, the rest of the time. We have extremely enjoyed these last few weeks. Getting the listener league going, drafting uh, with you guys was awesome. Uh, I'm really starting to love our listeners, so thank you guys for that. Uh, if you're newer and you haven't left us a review, listen, don't be afraid to do so. Just because there's not a listener league for people who leave us a review now doesn't mean you have to stop. Keep those coming in. Give us five stars or less if you think that we deserve less. Uh, but give us a review. Subscribe on iTunes. Uh, we'll be back next week with Kent, hopefully, and thank goodness, because we all want him back. Not that Betts doesn't do a great job, of course, but, you know, we need uh, Kent. So in. much pressure. Yeah, but you'll I be miss missing <laughs> me because I will be on the beach. Oh, Mm-hmm. Jealous. Yes. I shall finally take my vacation. So I'll come back and none of you will be able to see it, but I'll be tan and happy. <laughs> we'll let you we'll <laughs> let you all know how tan she is. So thanks. <laughs> thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Once again, we are the Red Shirts. Ooh, here comes the, here comes the, y'all don't really want it like that. Ooh,